Hello, welcome to the NHSR podcast. My name is Chris Beely. I'm a data scientist. I work at the strategy unit and we have a very special NHSR guest on today. So I'm very excited. I've been excited all week, actually. We have some of the feedback I get about the podcast is that they wish there were more kind of NHSR people on here. So we do have lots of amazing guests and I think people do appreciate that. But the podcast was always supposed to showcase some of the work of the brilliant people in NHSR. And today we're definitely going to be doing that. So our guest today is uh, John McIntosh. So John, would you just like to say hello first and say who you are? Hello, I am indeed John McIntosh, um, as you just said, and I've been using R for a bit. And I'm really pleased to, to be on here, although nervous. <laughs> so I'm stop talking right now. <laughs> Excellent. So yes, John, as some of you will know, was uh, mentioned on the stage at the NHSR conference for, I think, was that patient counter that was mentioned? Or was it something else? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was. Eh? Yeah. And we... As regular listeners to the podcast will know, we mentioned John's packages last week. Well, was it last week? I don't know when it was. Whenever the last podcast was, we mentioned John. So I thought to myself, why don't we have John on? So here he is. So John, let's just start off talking. How did you start using R and what what what, what do you use R for? Like, what, why is it special for you? Okay, um, I started using it because I got to the point where I kind of maxed out with Excel. I was trying to produce a, a specific plot. I'd, I'd done a bit of Googling and discovered Cleveland dot plots, and I was trying to do them in Excel, and it was really hard, and it didn't look all that good. And I discovered a website, which I think is now defunct, but it, it kind of introduced me to R. I think I'd seen R maybe a year prior to that and took a look at some code and thought, no, <laughs> not, not, not for me. That looks too, too, too much effort. So this second time around, and actually I think it's about 10 years now since I first saw that website, it's, um, I persisted managed to persuade uh, IT to let, install it for me, um, which was our first mistake. And uh, we, uh, I've, I've been using it ever since, very, very slowly, getting to grips with it. Um, that was simply pre-deplier sort of times, so, so it was a lot of base R. So what kind so, of year, just for the real hard nerds, what, what kind uh, of year are we talking about? Again, here? I'm guessing tail end of 2012, 2013, something like that. So ggplot, I, I, I needed to make lots of plots at once, and I just, I just saw an image that had been done in ggplot2, like a faceted image. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I need that in my life. I need it. <laughs> I, I have to, that's exactly what I need because I've, you know, manually tweaking 40, 50 plots in a dashboard each each week was getting tedious. Um, that's when I realized I could potentially write a bit of code and have these beautiful graphics coming up on screen. Yeah, ggplot2 was the selling point yes i think uh for the uninitiated uh what john's talking about is i believe the technical term for them in graph terms is small multiples is that right mm -hmm. and it refers to a graph that's got lots of little graphs and data viz nerds like us love them because it means you can say take maybe every county in an area or something and plot a separate graph for each and a lot of people have seen those in, before they started using r they'll see them and go oh that looks really really cool i want to do that so I think we started using our around the same time, didn't we, John? And I think we actually met each other online fairly early on. Is that right to say? Yeah, um, I'd seen I'd seen your blog because obviously you know you're you're researching how to do this, how to do that, and uh, your your blog came up. So I was delighted to actually see there was somebody else in the NHS who's using our um, stuff. You're you're the OG <laughs> NHS, NHS our, our blogger. Um, so yeah, you were a Kind of big inspiration. Thought, well, it's okay. You know, Chris is doing it, and he's putting stuff out there in the public domain. And yeah, it's, uh... so yeah, that, you were definitely one of the one of the first kind of few websites that kept cropping up. And I was always really nervous to reach out to you and say, hey, hi, hey, you know, 
really enjoying your website, but I think eventually I must have done it somehow. So yeah, it was you've been the kind of you're on my on my list of folk who've inspired me to to use it. So this is nice to speak to you properly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's really I I, I kind of wanted to talk about this actually because I think what people don't realise, obviously, lots of people are learning on now, and that's great, but. It was very lonely, wasn't it? I kind of—I don't know why. I'm just turning into a grumpy old man. I think I want people to understand what it was like in 2012. How amazing it was for me to find you on the internet, like it was someone in the NHS, not someone at Google or you know some amazing tech bro somewhere, but just an ordinary person in the NHS doing common garden work using the same tools. And I think you probably actually were the first person that I met online of, of a similar stripe to me. That must have been. Was that in 2016 then? Because I'm star, when I started blogging, so that's probably was it. I can't remember now, but oh, uh, was it 2016? Was that is that when you started blogging? Was uh, it? I was when I first did my first uh, blog post. I mean, I was definitely aware of you. Yeah, yeah. That just shows that I was on my own for like five years. So, and so were you. You, you two were on your own for about four or five yeah, years. Yeah, so. yeah, just bashing my head against the desk most days because I was learning. I wasn't just learning R. I was learning SQL Server and all the tools that come along with that. So that's about four different bits. You know, analysis services, reporting services, integration services to pull all your data from different sources. So, um, and VBA, any, anything else that kind of cropped up that looked like it might be useful. So, you know, if you think about this, actually, you know, you know it's not like you sit down, you, you, if you've got a glass, like five glasses and you want to fill them with water, you, normally you would kind of fill one at a time. But learning that way, it was kind of like just taking the jug and just kind of pouring over the top and some bits were hitting the water. So some bits were, were filling the jugs or filling the glasses and most of the water was going over the table. And that's kind of how it felt learning all these different things at once. It's very, very small incremental gains. Um, it would be a lot easier to just pick one thing, I think, but it was, just, it was the nature of the job. Well, you don't know what to learn, do you? That's the big yeah. problem. Yeah. So... I mean, this is why NHSR exists, really. Firstly, just so people just don't feel so lonely and can learn from each other, but also partly just to kind of to show you the way, because I just learned everything. Because you don't know, do you? Sometimes you learn something and it's really useful, and then other times you learn something and you go, oh, that doesn't do anything at all, and you just forget about it, and it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just, I mean, online, you know, you've, you see certain people and you're thinking, oh, they know everything about everything, you know, and it's kind of, you kind of feel kind of pressure. To be, you've got to be like that as well. But I think it's just the nature of a job. You know, if you're starting off, you're starting in the NHS, you're going to need, to, usually, to know your way around, around Excel a little bit. Probably handy to know a bit of SQL if you're going to end up using various BI tools as well. And yeah, R is obviously gaining ground now. It's good to see NHSR community is going from strength to strength. And there's a little community up here now online that's starting or is, is promoting R. There are some regular sessions. On the, on the side of the border, so that's um, it's really good, and it's it's gaining traction. So it's great to see a long, long last after ten years after picking it up. But yeah, I'm not I'm not the crazy one, <laughs> and it is a good tool, and uh, it's, it's good it's good to see that our folk are, are using it, seeing what it can do, and are just just as keen about it as we are, which is great. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that this conversation made me think of is how useful blogging is. So. People will find your blog. People will find your blog through Google. So I have blogged about the most bizarre, obscure, because sometimes I get these real edge cases with Shiny and there's no Google hits for it at all because it's just so, what I'm doing is so strange. And I'll spend, you know, a day and a half fixing it. And then I'll write a blog because, and I'll we're always write at the top of that blog. I'm writing this blog because there are no Google hits for this problem. So I know that 
if you know that you'll find it Mm-hmm. And they do, people do find it, they, they find it and they read it and then they email me and they say, I'm so happy that you wrote that blog because I just stole your code and what could have been a three day problem turned into a five minute Google search. So I'm really, I have to say, I have to confess that I, I don't blog very much anymore. I just, I don't know why. I think I've just got more and more and more busy and I've, it's, it's my guilty shame that I've stopped, but I'm very pro, pro blogging. It helps you and it helps other people. Definitely. And it's always good to hear from somebody that you've, that you've helped them. That's I don't get it a lot, but it's nice when it happens. Somebody emails you and say, "Hey, that, that really helped." So thanks a lot. And what like what I kind of was thinking, I should probably steal from you is you don't always write blog posts that contain like loads of code. Sometimes they're just you know a, a quick note down of, of what you're thinking at the time, your your opinions about something, and maybe I should do that. I always kind of feel that a blog post should have you know code explanation graphics blah 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 and it's, it just takes a lot of time whereas sometimes it's, you just need a quick 30 second job really to hear this is what i need to do there's your answer bang done post it so i might i might start doing that more often because it's getting hard to find the time to do it in the evenings and like posted one last night and i thought it wouldn't take too long <laughs> that was my evening gone basically and i was still making edits this morning after i posted it and t- tweeted out my link i still noticed things that were wrong with it so um, i don't have a very slick process that has to be said it makes you better though, doesn't it? i think that's the other thing that i love about blogging is that that process is actually refining your thoughts and making the code better isn't it that's it's sharpening the whole thing yeah i've got kind of just kind of write it and publish it and strategy is going to get out there and then maybe come back and fix it later on i should probably spend more time and leave it for a couple of days before i post it but just uh with time pressures at home and stuff it's just a case of like just get it done and get out there because it might not happen otherwise you know i've got other titles i've got ideas but hasn't been done yet so yeah but it does there's always always that worry that somebody's going to come and tell you you're wrong (laughs) you're wrong on the internet which is like the worst thing to be so yeah you do have to you know i always make sure my code works before I, before I post it out there. And it's, or... Yeah, I've had it where people have said, I've not think anyone's ever said, this is rubbish. But I've certainly had people say, this is not the best approach, or, you know, have you thought about this? And then, but, you know, we're all learning, aren't we? You just got to, can't expect to be an expert on everything, can you? So. Yeah, and it's more important to get out there, I think, and and have a product and result that does work. And then, yeah, it might not be the slickest way of doing it, but it's that's not important, I don't think. For part, you know, for blogging in your part in your in your spare time, you're don't think you should, don't think you should hold yourself to too high a standard. Yes, quite so. Right, yeah. So that's blogging, right? So let's. So the thing we were talking about last week, when we were talking about some of your packages. So patient counter was mentioned, and the other thing that we talked about particularly was rock themes, which I made a pull request to. Um, yeah. But there's loads of other ones. So just talk us through what what are some of your packages and kind of what what do they do? How would you sell them to people? Okay. Well, the one that I've certainly put the most or took up most of my time and thought for many, many years before I finally got into a package is, is Run Charter, which creates run charts, which are a tool for figuring out if you're making changes to a process, you need to know are these changes actually having the desired effect. So we're using quality improvement and they're quite simple, they're simple enough to construct, but it's doing the analysis. Um, of them that is a bit, a bit of a fiddle, especially manually. So Run Charter will produce as many Run Charts as you need on, from your data frame and we'll do the analysis for you and we'll revise your center line accordingly if it, if it 
spots a significant shift in the data based on the on certain rules. So that's that's something that I couldn't stop thinking about for years and years and years. How, how to do this? How to automate this? Because I'm doing it all manually for about 400 different QI metrics on a regular basis. I've literally gone in, eyeballing data, going back in the database, updating the database, rerunning it, finding the next one. I, you know, 400 measures. It's just a huge time-consuming thing, and I couldn't figure out how to do it in SQL at the time. So yeah, Runchar is a result of a obsession. I couldn't stop thinking about this and I couldn't stop thinking about whether there was a better way of doing it. And even now, if I sit down for long enough and look at the code, I think, ah, there's got to be a slicker way of doing that. And part of that is this whole thing, oh, I shouldn't do loops. But I couldn't see any way of doing that particular bit of analysis without using a, a while loop. I think it had to be done that way. I do think it's a bit of a myth, this whole, not to get too distracted by this age-old debate. I think it's a it's a bit of a myth, that. Uh, I think in particular, the th- I think one of the sources of this myth is that, oh, what is it, a- adding something to a vector is a, is mm-hmm. a, a relatively <laughs> lengthy process. So if you take a vector of five and then stick something on the end and then loop back, that is quite inefficient. Whereas I believe if you start with a vector that's the correct length and just shove things in it, mm-hmm. that is quite fast. Yeah. So I think there are these edge cases that are, it's not a good idea to loop, and that's just become don't use loops because you know these these rubrics are always wrong, aren't they at heart? Yeah. So I see. I can think around it, doing it was a was a while loop, and it and it works, and the code and you know, the code's fast, and somebody over and I, mean, I think it's Hadley Wickham basically says if your code works, it works. Aye, so. there's somebody over in a hostel in hostel in the US sent me a nice message or tweet saying it was like one of our core. A core product in there. Well, it's widely used, isn't it? I mean, do you have a sense of how many people are actually using it? No, no idea. I, just, I, that's, that, I mean, it was complete news to me when when this chap. Um, I think he presented presented it at um, our medicine last year, and I saw this. Oh, run chart. So I'll take a look at that, and that's when I realised. Oh, this is run chart. And yeah. So it's, the idea of it, it's uh, you know, it's a core bit of kit for them. Is is nice. Also kind of scary. Hope it keeps working. Um, hope I don't break it. But yeah, so it's but yeah, it's good to know if it's being used. So there's run charter, that's the main one. Uh, QSUM charter, you can probably uh, see a trend here. Um, there's another package of mine that's on CRAN. Um, and that was for same idea, really building QSUM charts, but building lots of ones and, and creating, yeah, doing the analysis and, and, and creating the, the plots. Um, and I did that last year when I started my new role. So. I can kind of build that in a spare time, and then thought, well, once I got run charter on, I thought, oh, I'll try my luck and get that onto Cron as well. Um, so for, and the patient counter, that was the result of somebody else or a few other folk coming to me with the same sort of problem over a, over a small period of time, basically trying to count how many patients are in hospital at any given moment. So you know, for every hour of the day, how many how many folk are in in uh, this ward in this hospital in, in, in hospital. So that again took a fair bit of thinking about. It seemed quite an easy problem, but it took a bit of time to figure out. And again, that kind of pushed me down towards learning data tables as well, because there's just so many useful functions in there. But oh yes, let's talk about a data table. This is a good one. So I'm a complete data table naive, but I've heard that it's amazingly fast and brilliant. I've never used it because I never need to be amazingly fast and brilliant when I'm in the things I'm doing. So tell us about data table. Why do you use? Why do you prefer it? Honestly, um, laziness. It's you've made you write much less code, and it's it's robust. It just works. It just works. I'm not. It is. I mean, it's fast, but the fast the speed thing doesn't really 
that's that's not a, a swaying factor. There's there's so many useful functions and bits of functionality that are hidden away that you have to kind of dig in to find. But just like this, the simplest thing was I got fed up doing group by do stuff and group throughout my code, and I was just doing this over and over again. And obviously, you have to do it because otherwise, unexpected things happen. And then I started using data table, and I said, "Oh, I should do by. That's that's a lot easier, and it, it's consistent. You know, it, it it does what you expect it to do. So it's a lot more to my mind anyway, similar to to how it would be in SQL. But you, as I say, it's, it's you write much less code, I find, which is always a bonus, I think, um, if you can write as little as possible and have it working. But it's, it's, it's still clear as to what you're doing. I mean, I find it hard to read, but to be fair, that's probably just because I don't get it. Does it it's get like, easy to read? Yeah, it's just like a it's little syntax. I mean, going back again to 2012, when I first started Googling how to do stuff in R, it, nearly, it was nearly always, you know, You'd end up end up a Stack Overflow. Somebody would ask how to do this. There would be a incomprehensible base R solution, um, and then round about the time that Dplyr came out, you'd get a a nice, easily readable Dplyr solution. But then there's always somebody that comes in. Now here's my one line data table solution. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, people in my profession will come back. And go, oh, that's that's amazing. It's super fast. It's data table is amazing. It's like that was in the back of my mind. I need to get my head around this because there's going to come a time when you know, I'm going to struggle with something. And yeah, so patient counter kind of pushed me further down that line. And yeah, I've got quite a lot of posts about data table now on my blog. I definitely recommend folk trying to get their heads around it because it's very, very useful, really useful. Yeah, so I think, was it Tom, I think, said this on the last podcast, didn't he? And I actually didn't link to your blog last time, so I'm going to learn my lesson this time. So, yes. So, John has written loads of stuff about data table, which, as I say, I don't really understand. So, we'll put, I'll put links to that in the show notes. Actually, I, I, and this is partly for my own convenience, my packages, I'm tending to use data table in my packages. So, run charter and patient counter are, are using data table for the, the wrangling stuff. Just... So that I know now if I write it now, they're probably not going to do anything that, that, that breaks that code. So um, that package is just run and run, basically, as far as, far as I can tell. And that's ideal for me. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to be sitting, you know, nervously having to monitor my packages all the time to see if I need to update stuff or have things break and then find out there's a hospital, hospital in the US that's uh, struggling because my package went down the pan. So I, I kind of value that reliability. It's a kind of weird responsibility, isn't it? I mean, there's a, as always, there's a famous XKCD about this, is that people build stuff just, you know, because they feel like it, and then other people start using it, and then you've got this kind of weird obligation to them, haven't yeah, you, that you've never yeah. asked for? Yeah, and I hadn't really thought, thought about that before I put stuff on Cran. I should have, should have thought, of that, thought about that a bit more. Yeah, you do feel, you know, it's definitely a bit of a spur when someone tells you, yeah, we're using that. You do feel a bit more uh, responsible. But yeah. It's, it's 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 rock solid, and I'm using it in quite a lot of my packages, just so that it removes a potential bit of stress in the future, hopefully. Yes, I'm very intrigued. I'm not going to say that I'm going to go and learn data table because, being honest, knowing me, I'm probably not because I'm just comfortable with dplyr. But I think it's definitely for people who are doing the stuff that that John's doing. It sounds like it's definitely an avenue worth going down. What I, what I tend to do now is if I've got like big data sets, I'll use data table up front to do a lot of the kind of basic aggregations or slicing and dicing and then as i'm getting down closer towards the actual 
nitty gritty plotting and writing functions, and I'll switch over to to Dplyr. That's how I'm doing it. We could probably do with some sort of training or something in NHS Cycle. I'm not going to put you on the spot now and ask you to do it, but I'm just sitting here thinking that actually we teach Dplyr in NHS Cycle. But I don't, to my knowledge, we don't teach data table. I think there might be something at the conference once, maybe, but it's not really a consistent thing. So maybe maybe I should take that away and look at that. Okay, yes. So, well, let's talk about rock themes as well. Let's let's talk okay. about some other packages. So, rock tell us about rock themes. Yeah. I mean, that was just... I was I was uh, I wasn't using art at all for well over a year, and I was looking around for just something to do in the evenings <laughs> to, to get me using it. And um, so first of all, I did I did metallic art, which was art, um, a pack a color package based on Metallica album covers. And again, that was just a quick bit of nonsense, really. That I got up and running in about five minutes based on somebody else's blog post. I can't remember, but thank you to her that was. Um, so that was a quick one-nighter and then if I actually know um because we're, the talkers album covers aren't the you know color palettes aren't brilliant I don't think so I had to look around just kind of just googling and saying right what are some classic rock albums and seeing if, if there was any sort of appealing covers so I just yeah found some started building it um and then it kind of grew arms and legs and then people like you started going here here add in add in add in my Slayer album please and stuff so it, it, it took a kind of a started to take a kind of a bit of a metal turn. <laughs> it was supposed to be just rock, hard rock, classic rock. But it started getting a bit of a mix. And uh, yeah, Taylor Swift was in there from uh, from day one as well. I'm not sure. I can't remember now why that happened, but it came up. And I thought, yeah, that's quite a nice color palette. So, I mean, I think rock technically incorporates Taylor Swift and Slayer, doesn't it? Just at both edges. I mean, it probably does. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you a single Taylor Swift track to save my life um, I've maybe heard one but I have no idea um, that'll, that'll get me into trouble with a certain <laughs> section of the, of the community because I know there's a, there's a Taylor Swift package isn't there or something you know, along similar lines but there like is there out, is it's a, yeah yeah indeed yeah yeah I'd like to point out that I, I actually did 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 that first um, I'm not, not suggesting in any way that they went out and thought hey, yeah I'm going to do that based on my my rubbish but yeah um she was in there from the first commit. I got kind of weirdly fascinated by rock things because on the one hand, you want to submit an album that you love as a musical album, but on yeah. the other hand, you want to submit a color palette. So in the end, I submitted Hella Waits by Slayer because it's got a really, really good color palette. So my first port of call was Raining Blood, but actually the color palette is not very good. It's just very murky and dark and actually doesn't really work. Yeah, there's too many metal palettes where it's black, black, red and white, like kill them all. Metallica, for example, um, and they don't, they don't, they don't do, they don't work. You know, black and red. <laughs> There's only so much you can do with that. Um, I mean, we could argue uh, about the merits of Slayer albums, um, more of a, more of a Cypher Heaven or um, Seasons of the Seasons of the Abyss. I myself, but um, those again, those palettes, I don't think would look too good. So it is really hard. It is really hard. Um, Although there's a couple that I stuck in that the palettes aren't really all that good, but I like the albums so much that they're definitely going in there. So that's. Uh, the cult electric and faith no more the real thing for anybody who's interested <laughs> in there regardless um but my favorites my favorite palette is actually one that somebody submitted from the no doubt album cover and i'm going to get her name wrong i think it was was it carissa i can't remember her name but she'll know who she is um 
and I, I found her a lot. But I was really, also really good because it's such a cool palette. It's like, ah, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it's my favorite, but it's like, it's not mine. That's annoying. And also, D Light, which is. Um, oh, is that on there as well? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> awesome. That was, that was uh, Richard. Uh, Richard. I can't think of what that album actually looks like. So, yeah, anyway, if you're listening to this at home and thinking, I know a really awesome rock album palette, then follow the links to show notes, make a pull request. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Um, okay, right. So that leads me very nicely onto my last uh, thing that I wanted to talk about, which is not a very serious subject, but, you know, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I want to discuss my hypothesis that all the best data scientists listen to heavy metal. It's... Yeah, that's um, there's compelling compelling evidence. I think. <laughs> yes. So I'm saying this to John. He's sitting here in a Metallica t-shirt. Um, Metallica. It's not not a good example of heavy metal in my opinion, but you know it is in that genre. <laughs> oof, oof. Yeah, we're dad, dad rock now apparently, aren't they? But you know, I'm a dad, so it's fine by me. I will not hear a bad word said about them apart from. <laughs> Whoever you see right now. No, no. indeed. Yeah. I, well, I think Megadeth are probably. Um, mm-hmm. I think Megadeth are probably going to be in that category soon as well, aren't they? I saw them at download actually, and they've got. I think they've got a fairly new song out, and the plot of the song is: I came home drunk and tried not to wake my wife up, right. which is the most dad rock <laughs> <laughs> thing I can possibly think of. Um, I mean, it's called "Wake Up Dead," so it's got a quite a metal kind of you know title, but. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So there's obviously John, an excellent data scientist. I wouldn't call myself an excellent data scientist, but I'm a, I'm a pretty okay data scientist. And the other big example that I'd hold up as being a, a metaler who uh, is a data scientist, of course, is Colin Fay, uh, mm-hmm. who is I think rarely seen without some obscure death metal band T-shirt on. And actually, we had a conversation on the Slack a little while ago about what music people were listening. Oh yeah, and people were talking about Mastodon, of course, wasn't it? That was the other thing that we ended up all talking about. Yeah. Mastodon, yes, yeah, very, very a great band. I really like them as well. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, they're a good source of album covers. Just saying, <laughs> they are um, a great band. I do think, just to develop my theory, one of the reasons why maybe data scientists listen to metal is because you can't really hear the words. So I find when I listen to music where you can hear the words, I get distracted and I start wanting to type the words into my code. But when you're listening to, I mean, particularly. I don't know, like a band like Cannibal Corpse or maybe Slayer at times. You really have no idea what it's just. It's just noise, and they're really vocally. Yeah, I'm definitely not at that level of extremeness. So that's that's, that's not my uh, end of the spectrum, really. So, what are you listening to when you're coding then? Yeah, makes us more kind of maybe at the hard rock end. Verge, I mean, Metallica and Slayer. It's probably about as heavy, heavy as I'll go. They're not really into the death metal stuff at all, to be honest. It's, so, so why are you listening to when you code them? What's what's your kind of well, pick at the moment? Um, all kinds. Mainly, it's like the nineties stuff. You know, the alt rock from the nineties. Um, Soundgarden, Faith No More. Actually, I like the nineties Metallica. I know people don't like it. They load, reload, but I really like that. You know, um, as well as their kind of classic stuff. I'm, I'm a, I like it all really. Some some modern stuff is creeping in, or relatively modern. You know, five years ago, um, Royal Blood discovered them during. Um, the pandemic, they kind of cropped up on my suggestions list, and yeah, they're, they're great for a, a two-piece. I don't know if you're aware of them. No, not heard of them. Amazing. Just a, a, bass, a bassist and a drummer, um, but the, the bassist sounds like a guitarist. Oh, wow, that's interesting. What's the name of the band again, sorry? Royal Blood. They're, Royal Blood, okay, I'll watch that. They're awesome. They're, they're great. They're definitely worth checking out. So yeah, big fans of them, and various first stuff I'm, I'm discovering as I go along. 
Yeah, but quite a mix. But just it's stuff I've been listening to for so long that it's just background noise. You know, I'm not getting sidetracked by it, but it kind of blocks out. You know, if, if the kids are home, it blocks out some of the noise in the background when you're tr- trying to work if they're home early. And it's just it's it's, it's comfort, isn't it? It's stuff you know. And it's just I can yeah familiarity. I think that's the yeah, other, yeah. that's the other. I've got I did get quite obsessed with this recently, trying to find the kind of perfect work playlist that's just stimulating enough to keep you awake, but not so stimulating that you stop working and start listening to it. Speaking of alt rock, actually, someone cited me this morning and said that they found some Primus lyrics in the help file of a uh, of an R package. So I haven't seen I haven't seen the follow up to that yet. So I'll, I'll go and ask them if I can dig it out. I'll put that in the show notes as well. It's a package so. called Sealing the Seas of Cheeser. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all fun. Right, well, I think that's all we wanted to talk about for today. So thank you very much, John, for coming on to the uh, podcast. We'll look forward to seeing more of your packages and more of your work. Um, be great to see you at the conference, I know, because you're such a long way away in Scotland, aren't you, that it's hard to, to, to see you at the conference, which is a great shame. I couldn't make it around this time, but uh, who knows? We'll see what happens next time, right? And uh, yeah, so thanks very much for coming on and uh, we'll uh, see you all again uh, next time. And I'm nearly forgetting before I'm signing out. Apologies. I'm gonna, it's not me editing this time. It is Tom. So I would like to thank Tom Jemmett for the edit. So thanks very much and we'll see you all next time.